0: So I'm gonna ask you to imagine New York City. Whether you've been there or not, you've probably seen it on TV. And as you imagine New York City, I'm curious what street comes to mind. You might have been envisioning a picture of something else, but as you narrow down onto the street level, what street are you on? What, Broadway? 42nd Street. Did somebody? 139th, here's a wise guy in every group. Okay, so that wasn't so wise, it's where your daughter is, okay. Because sometimes it's very personal, isn't it? Well, the street that's on my mind this morning is between 120th between Broadway and Riverside Drive, probably one that Susanna knows. It's named Reinhold Niebuhr Place. He was a professor at Union Theological Seminary for 30 years, and the street was named after him in his honor. If you know the serenity prayer, you know Reinhold Niebuhr, whether you knew he wrote it or not. He's been on my mind the last couple of weeks because he spoke courageously about American efforts to confront Soviet communism. He was both an idealist and a realist, and he held those two in tension, and he created the term Christian realism for that place of tension. You can hear this tension in his prayer that originally was, God give us grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed. But Niebuhr also said, and this is lesser known change, let us change what cannot be accepted, and accept what cannot be changed. This morning's reading from Luke seems well timed, because in it we hear the reality of competing powers. There's two spirits at work, a spirit of evil. And a spirit of the holy. Niebuhr had something to say about evil. He said evil is not to be traced back to the individual. It's not a single character, but to the collective behavior of humanity. In other words, we all have the potential to be a part of it. So as you listen to this reading this morning, beginning in Luke chapter four, you're going to hear the voice of the devil and of Jesus, each representing two collective types of power. So listen for those two different types of power in this reading. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, which is where he was baptized, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him, it's written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you I will give their glory and all of this authority. For it has been given over to me and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, and now the devil is quoting Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Holy wisdom, holy word. So you heard those two different types of power, I'm guessing. One is about control and domination. There's a taunting in it, if you are the son of God. There's cunning and coyness. Oh, so you're going to give me, it is written, I'll give you an it is written, because I know scripture too. And then there's the power that Jesus demonstrated, the power of right relationship that honors all of God's creation and walks humbly in service, that acknowledges that there is a God and he's not saying he's it. You don't have to look far to see these powers at work in our world. It's easy to see in the war that's being waged against the people of Ukraine, isn't it? It's often easy to see it outside. The harder part is to see it close at hand. We need to be able to see it in both places. It can be seen on that moment where Jesus is allegedly alone in the wilderness, although the angels are there to accompany him. Jesus is demonstrating what it sounds like to align with the power of God. And don't let the short scene trick you into thinking that all of this happened over a weekend retreat. Remember, it was 40 days with no food or drink, and that's Bible speak for a very long time. This is something that we are confronted with on a regular basis. That's another way to say it, too. It's a lifelong journey. Jesus had just been baptized, and and he was praying And the sky opened up, and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended and came down and said, You are my beloved. With you I am well pleased. Having heard those words and seen the dove descending, he could have been all full of himself, puffed up and proud with his self-importance. But that isn't how he entered the wilderness he entered the wilderness filled with the Holy Spirit. And as I say that out loud, I want to say it's possible for both to happen. I can see and imagine in myself a sense of self-importance, but also the work of the Spirit that's going to catch me and perhaps pose a question that will remind me. Of who and whose I am. Do you ever have those moments? Yeah. The three test points in this reading are places where temptation thrives and right relationship is at stake. And I don't think it's limited to three, but there are three in the reading, so they probably cover a whole plethora of situations. The first one has to do with possessions, the one about changing a stone into bread. Jesus was hungry, but he was hungry for something deeper. I'm sure bread probably sounded pretty good. But again, the ability to say, I'm hungry for something deeper. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. A value of people over possessions. Or of a shallow hunger over a deeper hunger. The second one is about allegiance, I think. All of this is mine, the devil says. If you worship me, all of this will be yours. I worked for someone like that once, and I was waiting for the big payoff that never came. And so I I eventually left, but I would say for a solid decade, I thought about what it might have been like if I stayed and never got that little payoff. In other words, don't compromise your commitments. Know who you're working for and with, who you are aligning with, what your allegiance is. And the third one is about trusting in God's faithfulness. Simply put, don't play games with God. Don't sabotage what's going on to make a spectacle by jumping off a high point and waiting to be rescued by angels. I don't imagine any of us thinking about doing that, but sabotage is something that happens often, isn't it? Something can be going well, and then all of a sudden, we can try just one more thing we like the momentum or it feels good but that's not always the Spirit's way the devil quotes Psalm 91 but Jesus remembers that God makes a way and maybe you've learned that in your spiritual journey maybe you haven't and if you haven't learned that yet ask for it to be shown to you How God can make a way, the God who makes a path in the sea and makes rivers to flow in the desert certainly will make a way for you in your life. So possessions, allegiance, trust in God's faithfulness, which one do you find most challenging? Or which ones do you find most challenging? And what would you add to that list? There's an example of right relationship that exists on Reinhold Niebuhr Place. There's a 19-story building that has the nickname called the God Box. The God Box is home to Church World Services that you might be familiar with. It's also home to the Council of the Churches. It used to be the main headquarters for all the mainline Protestant denominations, including the United Church of Christ before they moved to Cleveland. But when they left the building, ecumenical and interfaith organizations came in by the dozens, nonprofit foundations and faith-related foundations, community-based organizing foundations came in and and their neighbors are even impressive. They have a Christian seminary, a Jewish seminary, and Manhattan School of Music. There's a lot going on right there. I think that physical building and the neighborhood demonstrates that together there is power. Of course, buildings can fall and things can change, but it's just, a metaphor right now for all of those organizations, faith-based and community-based, coming together. They have shared values that they stand for, which also means that they stand against some things and things that they lift up together. We got the same thing going on right here in our little corner of Longmont on 9th and Francis, don't we? We have four faith-based organizations that use this space, one Jewish, three Christian. We're in conversation with a Unitarian group. We prioritize youth, music and the arts, people living with disabilities, Montessori, Together we have shared values in education, in making sure that there's a place for people who are vulnerable, and in encouraging music and the arts and adding beauty to the world. And so as I was thinking about all of this, I was thinking about I was thinking about Psalm 91 and and Many people's favorite song, Eagle's Wings, or, you know, definitely a church top 10. And if you're here in person, the bulletin has, I mean, everyone's here in person, but if you're in this space and you have a physical bulletin, the bulletin has a feather on it. Because I was thinking about eagles and feathers and being lifted up on a wing. Each one of those organizations is like a feather. And each feather is part of the wing that lifts people up and gives flight to God's power. That's what it means to be a part of something bigger. That's sort of the basis of community organizing, whether it's intentional or not. And it needs to be intentional. So I wonder what the feathers are that you've experienced in that wing of God that lifts us up. Think about the times you've been lifted up and what organizations or what groups, whether it's neighbors or church or friend or school or work or choir or bell choir or the hour center or an artist group or pickleball. I had to get that in. each a feather. Remember that first exchange about turning the stone into bread? Further along in Luke's gospel, Jesus ends up multiplying the loaves and feeding 5,000, starting with five, fed 5,000. In the gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. That's the power of the holy that's demonstrated in the practice of communion, a practice that simply and courageously honors all of God's creation.